This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. R.I.P. Twitter. R.I.P. Twitter. That's all anybody's talking about today. No, I'm just kidding. Some people don't don't care at all. I don't even know if Adler's going to care at all. Charles Adler joining us every Monday on Real Talk, as you know. Hello, everybody. Jespo here with John Hicks and Chuck in just a second. I, I saw him uh, tweeting this morning. Johnny, I don't even know if we call it tweeting anymore because Elon Musk announced over the weekend it's not Twitter anymore. The bluebird is gone. Ugh. The iconic logo gone forever. Now it's just called X. Why? Although some people are calling it Twitter. Yeah, why? When you have all these lines like tweet and retweet, a brand built over years, and now you're just... Uh, but uh, hey, it's funny. I, I let them destroy it. I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. It's crazy. It's I like got my popcorn. Watching somebody spend, you know whatever amount of money on a palatial new home or some crazy exotic sports car and then just burn it and smash it and yeah. crash it. And you're like, it just seems like it's this play toy from a <laughs> child that was handed everything and yeah. now he's just demolishing it. I can't quite understand what he's doing to the brand. Well, you go out and buy a Bentley and then you take the emblem off the front and you put GMC on it. Obviously. But yeah. you're just, yeah, X. <laughs> I saw that one of the great responses when he said it will be X and then someone just responded with, with the next letter. Why? Just like you did, which I thought was good. But a bunch of people have a lot to say about it. We're yeah. this week on the show. We're going to be talking to some branding experts mm-hmm. uh, because I'm just fascinated by the whole exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the uh, Twitter CEO was was on the platform. I mean, here we are calling it Twitter. Like, I, I just I feel like I'm not calling it X. I'm not going to call it X. No, it's just a weird. It's just weird. I feel like he's just like like. I- how much can I fuck this up and it still be a success? And it, and it still be a success. Like it's a but, thing he wants but, to but do. But maybe not. And if you missed our Friday roundtable, if you missed our most recent Real Talk roundtable, you have to check it out with uh, Kiki Planet. That's Kathleen Smith and um, Beverly Teresa and Carly Watson joined us as well. We talked about the, 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 the madness that is Elon Musk and what the future of the site might look like and if threads could pose a threat. That's Mark Zuckerberg's new project and we talked about tiktok and a million other things if you're even remotely intrigued by social media or maybe just the tiniest bit quietly like i won't say embarrassed because you should actually probably be proud of yourself but if you don't quite understand what all the hype's about with some of these platforms it's an insightful round table one of the most insightful round tables on the show in a while so i appreciate that uh, but the musk announcement about x mm. was after the round table which always yeah. kind of sucked it sucks <laughs> when something happens right after we talk about it on the show yeah you know another example i think of is when we had danielle smith here in studio you remember that she, yeah, she had just won the the uh, conservative leadership. This was before the most recent provincial election. You remember this? We have her exclusively in studio. She comes in. It's our first show in the new studio. And then the first interview she does, like 45 minutes after talking to us, she says the unvaccinated are the most discriminated group You know, in, in, in her history, in the history that she can remember. And I went, mm-hmm. why couldn't you say that on <laughs> our show? Why couldn't you have said that on Real Talk? 
We're going to be talking to Charles Adler as well about the brutes of Belleville. You know what I'm talking about. The prime minister mobbed in Ontario last week, and uh, it prompted Adler. You know, he has a column every week in the Winnipeg Free Press, and that was his subject matter this week. So we'll get into that. Matt Cundell is going to join us a little bit later on in this show, about a half hour from now. Uh, he's a, he's a, uh, an entrepreneur. He's a podcast host. He's a podcast producer. I've guested on his show before called The Sound Off podcast and he brings a different perspective to the table uh, than what we heard last week on the show we heard from linda solomon wood you remember that the founder and the publisher of canada's national observer she says ottawa needs to do something the federal government needs to do something because these tech giants like meta facebook google twitter they're not paying for canadian journalism content and it's killing canadian journalism well, Cundell's got a different take. He says, basically, the feds have screwed this up. He says, this is Ottawa's to own. It's Ottawa's problem. And he says that the, the, the future could be bright based on a few key considerations. So we're going to get into that. You don't have to be a podcaster like me to care about this. If you're a Canadian that cares about the source of your news, your information, the credibility of it, the vetting of what's being published and pushed out, then this is something that I think you're going to maybe give a rip about. So that's coming up on this episode of Real Talk. This episode of Real Talk is proudly presented by our friends at We Know Training. It's obviously not news to you that the cost of living is absolutely out of control right now. But you know what can go hand in hand with that? The cost of business, that's going up too. And so a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners are looking for ways to boost their revenue. If that's you, one of the best things you can do is to create a standout training program. We know training is your best training partner for creating courses and programs that sell. They've helped associations, regulators, nonprofits, and more generate millions of dollars in revenue without any extra work for their teams in creating, managing, and selling those training courses. That's a big deal. If you want to learn more, if you feel like we're speaking to you directly right now, check out weknowtraining.ca and see what they could do for your business. Charles Adler is an Emmy-winning talk radio legend. He's a columnist with the Winnipeg Free Press. He's got his own podcast, The Charles Adler Show, and he joins us every Monday or the first show of every week. Always a pleasure. It's it's the best way for us to kick off our week, checking in with our best pal. And Chuck, I got a text from a real talker by the name of Graham this morning who was amped up. He said he woke up a little bit earlier than normal, super excited that he got to hear Chuck on Real Talk. I hope that blasts a bit of wind into your sails. Well, Graham, I hope you watched a Real Talk or listened to Real Talk on Friday because that was one of the best roundtables I've ever heard. And I, I put all my biases in the shop uh, window. I've been a huge fan of uh, Kiki Planet forever. And uh, Kiki was was on the money on Friday. Uh, hey, I don't know. She she hasn't given me permission to do this because this was a private message that she sent me. But she sent me a private message about you, so I got to read it here. She says uh, she sends me the link to your to your free press column, which we'll get to in a bit, the Brutes of Belleville, and uh, her message says, have I ever mentioned how much I absolutely adore this man and have since long before he came out as a liberal, she says, because <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a chance to respond to that. It's a small L. It's a small L. Small L. She I'm says, a, liberal, a small L liberal Democrat. That I think okay. I think you're still a big C conservative. Anyway, whatever. I'm yeah. not the one. I'm not the one to pigeonhole. <laughs> 
but I know she's being cheeky. She says, "I certainly do. I certainly do." She says, "Charles Adler is damn good people." So if so, if you're gonna if you're gonna send her a bouquet, I'm gonna deliver her bouquet she's, directly to you. She, she's terrific. She she's an asset to Canada, an asset to Alberta, a great asset to, to your show. And because I'm now a podcaster as well, so I don't just uh, you know have the privilege of being on your show on Mondays or the first day of uh, the work week because you take the stats off and then that's wonderful for you and your, your family and all of that. But uh, on Mondays, I agreed not to do interviews. I, I do the odd, uh, the odd comment, but I don't do interviews on Monday out of, out of respect for this sacred day where you and I are involved in an interview. But as far as uh, Kiki is concerned, she, like some other guests, now that I'm a podcaster will be poached. I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying that I will, you know, prevent them from being on, on real talk. But once in a blue moon, I'm, I'm hoping that I can poach them for, for my show. I figured the more the merrier. And, uh, you know, we, we are purveyors of the art of conversation. But you know, she kind of she surprised me. Actually, I hadn't noticed, to be honest. I'm going to try to stay on top of everything. But you can't stay on top of absolutely everything. I didn't know that she had essentially folded up her tent on Twitter and walked away, which is is pretty interesting considering that she's a podcaster. She's been she, – she was – like I said on Friday, people can check out the interview. Uh, one of the first kind of digital publishers that I was aware of, she was doing that Kiki Planet e-zine, that e-magazine, long before a lot of other people were. So to actually walk away from a platform and a big audience on Twitter, she's got like 50,000 followers. I was surprised. Yeah. She tells us why she did it. People can check out the interview. But I've been looking forward to asking you over this weekend, ever since um, you know Twitter's, I mean, you know, the big boss, he's not technically the CEO, but Elon Musk announced I mean, here we are calling it Twitter. Apparently, not called Twitter anymore. It's called X. Uh, but X. my guess is that you, you don't actually care that much. You compared no, it. To I don't. You compared I, it to I mean, Heinz ketchup this morning. Well, yeah. I mean, I love Heinz ketchup. I mean, who doesn't? I, I, I don't want to get into the whole conversation now. But Heinz is too American, and French's is more Canadian. I don't want to get into that. Uh, my French fries do not care uh, what kind of container. Heinz ketchup is is in. So sometimes they change the container. Uh, they do different branding. They change the, the lettering. They they change the font. Why would the fries give a you know what about the font? So no, I don't care, and I don't care whether I'm not in. I'm not in Twitter. I'm not on Twitter because of the bird. I'm on Twitter because of you. I'm on Twitter because of the people who follow you, the people who follow me, the people who follow other people that I follow. I want to you know get uh, closer to the to, to the minds, uh, the intellects, the hearts. Of, of millions of people who are on Twitter around the world. That's what matters to me. It's about staying connected. So whether whether the logo is a, is a bird or an X or a French fry, I don't give a hoot. So the, the thing, though, uh, let, let me sort of hypothetically say, when you're looking at, you know, you're putting your new podcast together, right? And they're, they're working yeah. on your logo and the font we're going to use and they're going to figure out what they're going to call it and the title. Yeah. You know, you, you're you're Charles Adler, or if if you're listening to me every once in a while, you're Charles freaking Adler. But <laughs> but Charles Adler, nonetheless, you've built the name, you've built the brand. The name yeah. is a brand. If uh, a comms advisor or a marketing person said, you know what I'm thinking, we're going to do something new and savvy and and, and attention grab, we're going to start calling you Charlie A. Uh, you know, and you wanted to launch a, a podcast, the Charlie A show, uh, you would never go with it. You would never agree to that. Right. I mean, there's value in established brand. No, I would. I would take a thoughtful, uh, nuanced position as always. I'd fire <laughs> their ass. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So the French fries you know, I mean, do think, care what the ketchup's called. If you think I want to be a called. Charlie A, you don't know. You don't know a damn. 
You don't know a damn thing about me. You don't understand. I hired the wrong person. I'll, I'll apologize for having hired you, but you're done. So the name means something. The yeah, established brand, the value of it. That's yeah. my thing with Twitter. And there was one tweet. Uh, Johnny, I sent it to you. I'll, I'll track it down, too. Is the person talking about the value of the brand and how other brands would kill for that? You know the one I'm talking about? And I thought that this take was bang on. Yeah, like, look at this one here. The dumbest thing about this, says Del Walker, is how every other social platform wishes they created a unique and renowned verb like tweet or yeah. retweet. That kind of brand recognition, says Dell, is near impossible to replicate internationally. It's like Google, right? We're going to Google something. Google's not changing its name. No, Google's not becoming Googie or GG. Or G. You know? This this video of the prime minister mobbed in Belleville, Ontario, I, I think yeah. by now people know the story. He was there to, to commemorate the seventh anniversary of their Canada Child Benefit, and yada, yada, yada. He's at a farmer's market. He's going to talk to vendors. He was meeting with the mayor in Belleville, and they had to cut it short uh, because of uh, basically, uh, uh, I don't know, let, let me hand the mic over to you. I don't know the words you'll use to describe what happened here. It's, it's, a, it's a melee um, but how did this land with you the first time you saw it? We're not going to play the audio. We played it on Friday. Yeah, no, it, it's an assault. Uh, it, it's not a protest. It, it's an assault. Uh, these are not, uh, you know, democratic dialogue seeking uh, protesters. These are thugs. These are goons. I called them the the brutes of Belleville. That was the, the title of uh, my Winnipeg Free Press uh, column uh, th- this past Saturday. Um, if uh, I go into any community anywhere in this country, uh, and I start uh, hurling those kinds of epithets in the faces of people. If I, if I, if I scream uh, the word uh, pedophile or traitor, uh, criminal in anyone's face, uh, police have absolutely the right to arrest me and charge me with assault, which is what that is. But in this incredibly free country, and for all these freaks who say that we are not free, uh, this is the most demonstrable way of showing them that they are full of ketchup, okay? Uh, in any unfree country, that'd be China, North Korea, uh, Russia, any of them, you, you get close to Xi or get close to Putin or get close to any of these leaders and scream pedophile in their ear and see if you don't end up in prison or worse than, than, than prison. So that, that's what happened with the Brutes of Belleville on uh, Saturday, and I hate I hate calling it the Brutes of Bubble. I have to call it something because that's where it happened. But uh, my my guess is that many of these people are not from Belleville, which is a, a wonderful community, which has always been very good to me. Yeah, I mean, so do you like you're not suggesting that you think that those folks should have been thrown to the ground and cuffed that they should have been. No, 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 no. This is this is Canada. We don't do that. I, I'm just saying that. Uh, this is such an amazingly free country that if you're involved in anything that appears to be a political demonstration where you're free to exercise your your speech, as they say in the U.S., expression, as we say, formally in Canada, we have freedom of expression. So, no, you, I'm not I'm not saying they should be tossed in jail. I'm just saying that if any of us had, had done that, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't a political protest, we were just attacking uh, certain people, targeting certain people, whether they were involved in uh, the farmer's market or any other uh, form of enterprise or just uh, civilians just minding their own business, if we would have been uh, screaming those words into their ear, Police would have had the right to to pick us up in charges, and I think that's fair ball. I I think that 
Um, you know, while some people say that uh, rhetorical assault or verbal assault is not the same as physical assault, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, you're threatening. You're threatening people. Uh, you're you're getting in their faces. Uh, this is a wonderful country uh, where uh, people are free to exercise dialogue in a million different ways, including the platform that we're privileged to be on right now. But the idea that you you get inches away from someone's ear and scream pedophile at them, that's not my candidate. Yeah, and and we've reached out to like a sort of a, I don't know what you call him, like a VIP security detail. This guy's a retired RCMP and we're going to, or retired police officer anyway, and we're, we're going to uh, chat with them at some point this week when it works out. I'll let the audience know when that's coming up. But, um, and, and I know that you'll probably, uh, you know, issue or offer up some sort of caveat here. You're going to say, well, I'm not a security person. I'm not a cop. But, but in your mind, like, do Canadians... Do we as a country and a culture allow people too close of access Absolutely, to our politicians? Like, yeah, the, like the, you would the, uh, never the get that close to the, the American president. The perimeter has got to be extended. I don't think anyone should right? get be able. Nobody should be able to get that close. And I, I realize that people, uh, you know, want to, you know, favor some politicians over other politicians. This is not about uh, politics, you know, at this point. Uh, this is about what kind of country that we want to have. So whether you like Trudeau, dislike Trudeau, love him, hate him, I, I, I don't give a hoot. He is the head of our government. And, uh, you know, I've had my quarrels with Danielle Smith, but she is the head of the democratically elected government of Alberta, and she is the CEO of Alberta. I want her to get maximum protection. I want Justin Trudeau to get maximum protection. It's not about politics. It's about the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, speaking to Danielle Smith, I, I don't have it ready right now. Maybe I'll see if I can do this on the fly, Johnny, and send you this photo if I can track it down. But a friend of mine, she was in the Edmonton Airport the other day, Edmonton to Calgary, doesn't matter. And uh, and she says, oh, check this out. She says, look who's walking by. And it's the premier of Alberta. It's Danielle Smith with, I think, like, I, I shouldn't even say, I mean, whatever. It's not like I'm revealing details or something. And maybe there were other people lurking that, that folks didn't realize. Maybe there was more security. Uh, Johnny, when she's come in here, I mean, the details are pretty significant. They send security in here ahead of time, Chuck. They do a sweep the day before. Good. They do a sweep I'm the morning of. There's SUVs out front. Obviously. That's the way yeah. it obviously should be. But she was yeah. there. My friend sends me this picture, and I see it walking through this airport, This, you know, and and uh, and it's just like the premier and one person. I'm going, any, I mean, I guess maybe an airport's more secure. Maybe. I don't know. But I just, like, I'm not typically one that, you know, thinks that, that uh, you know, I, I do think that politicians and, and other leaders should be accessible to the public, but, like, to what? point to what degree this is not a partisan thing i mean what, no, what's what's no, one of the got, most got, what's one of the most famous things jean chrétien ever did ever was choke the guy out right yeah, like no, should yeah. the pm have to be choking people? that was not excuse me the shawinigan handshake yes yeah, it was a shawinigan handshake yeah that's right and with apologies if you're apologizing to belleville you better apologize to shawinigan but I, I, do, I, do, I, do. I love belleville <laughs> it's i when I used to drive from Montreal, Toronto, because I was raised in Montreal, and of course the West became my adopted home. But when I lived in in Toronto, first place that you know, anyway, so I, I'd go do a lot of Montreal, Toronto trips. So Belleville is you know sort of two thirds uh, on the way home. It's a place to to stop for gas. But one time it was particularly difficult because we had a major power blackout in Ontario, like it was huge, and it was so bad that the regular gas stations with their pumps. Uh, that were connected to the, the grid, the pumps simply weren't working. So I was like within just, uh, I was on vapors when I ended up in Belleville. And fortunately, 
there was a reserve in the area. And on the reserve, they had the ancient pumps. Uh, okay. And uh, they weren't counting on, on hydro for those. They weren't counting on the uh, general uh, power grid. Uh, they were they were the, the kind of pumps that we had many, many years ago. And so I lined up with a whole bunch of other people on that reserve, Mohawk Reserve, and, and got gas. And I asked uh, the uh, the guy who was pumping the gas for me, and actually he got a great big tip that way <laughs> that day. I was very appreciative. I was asking, the price of gas was actually much lower on the reserve than it was at the regular places that were no longer able to, or at least for the time being, not able to, to pump gas. I said, well, why didn't you jack up the price? There's such a huge demand. And the guy says to me, he says, we don't do that here. And it's just, I, I just remember that. Anyway, that was just outside Belleville. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I love it. Uh, our, our fast Would you, by the way, we did an ethical question for you, Ryan. If, if, if you ran a gas station and God knows you've got all kinds of business people in your family. So maybe, uh, you know, four or five generations ago, maybe, maybe someone in the Jesperson family did. But if you ran a gas station and all of the other gas stations had absolutely no power and you were the only one uh, who could serve gas, there were hundreds of people lined up. Would you not uh, jack it up by three or four cents? <laughs> A leader, would you not uh, uh, just be a, uh, an I mean, astute if, business person? If you want to, yeah, if you want to really get into like gas station pricing, we could because I don't like. Oh man, do I really want to get into this? I don't know. Sure are there are there, sure. there, are there, are there any ethical, like? Well, yeah. So issues. so ask. So you want to talk ethics and gas please, stations? Yeah, like, please. is it is it just a coincidence that the gas prices go up the Thursday or Friday before a long weekend? Is that just a coincidence? Like supply and demand. They yeah. they know the demand is high. They can charge more, and that is the uh, that is a law, a law of life. But if you were running that gas station near Belleville, yeah, okay, and you absolutely owned the market—not uh-huh. just people who live in the Belleville area, but all all those thousands of people who are just like me, just you know, driving on the four hundred one, and we couldn't get gas. So, would you not jack it up by just just a few pennies? Yeah, to I can see it both ways. Capitalist? I can see because you know the the the, the so so say the uh, the owners of gas stations, yeah. uh, their profits on fuel are not as great uh, are not as significant as their profits on what they sell in the store right they want you to come well, and, in and, and that's correct every every time i, I gas up at the, you know a self-serve uh, bar i i feel i should buy you know some chips or, or an sure. old henry yeah or you know or a snickers bar uh, except i my problem with buying a snickers bar is i want to eat three or four more so it's not a snickers bar but i i always feel i should buy something otherwise they're not really making much money yeah exactly so if you can make a few extra cents on a liter then maybe you do but also the fact that you don't, although is anybody even noticing? If the, now here's the beauty: if the other gas stations don't have power, then their signs are not displaying what their price is per liter. So right. the public has short memories. I don't know what the price of gas is right now because I didn't fill up today. It could change. It could have changed. I filled from up yesterday. yesterday. I, I paid a buck fifty-two a liter yesterday. Buck fifty-two, not bad. Is that for the eighty-seven octane Chuck or yeah, the ninety-one? <laughs> you always. We need context. I need to know what I wasn't. I, okay, I was not driving a high-end vehicle okay. yesterday. Okay. 87 was fine. It was perfectly fine. Corvette man, was in the garage. The Corvette was in the garage. Yeah, the man of the people, Charles Adler. <laughs> there he is. I was an especial treat. I here. drive a very. I drive a. You know, I, this expression is probably you know incorrect, like all the other expressions I grew up with. But I drive a very plain Jane car. Okay. Uh, have you told us in past what you you did tell us in past what you or you you seem reticent to say it in public? Can you tell us what you drive that you can re- I, learn a lot about no, someone no, by I, the dog they have and the car they drive? I, no, I, I just I, I'll just say I drive a a, a, a plain Jane 
a vehicle, um, and I'm not saying that I haven't driven some. Yeah, it's a Porsche. That's what he drives. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I am, I'm a very lucky person. I can drive anything I like, but at the moment, that's what I, I prefer driving. Okay, I'm with Kathy, kind of like Kathy here says I wouldn't jack up the price as a gesture of good faith to create customer loyalty. Although I don't know in a business that with with dynamic pricing like fuel. I don't know if there is customer loyalty. No, there isn't. Uh, although my grandpa, who was a proud uh, chemical engineer with Chevron for many, many years, uh, insisted that we not fill up at Petro-Canada. Uh, right? As a matter of fact, he was the first to inform me that the name, the brand, stood for Pierre Elliott Trudeau rips off Canada. Wow, That's wow, what wow, Petro-Canada wow, wow. stood for. So so I was instructed to drive past Petro-Canada's uh, for my driving career, which in honor of Grandpa Rudy, I still do to a certain degree, unless it's cheaper, in which case I'll go there. So there really is no loyalty there at all whatsoever. And I don't well, think, in most, Man- I think in Manitoba, a lot of us are loyal to, to co-op. So I, I'm a co-op member. Oh, yeah. Because they I, get the money back the at co-op. the end of the year, right? You get a little kickback at the end yeah, of the yeah. year. That's the beauty yeah, of I do co-op. enjoy that. That's why people do it. Um, yeah, no, I have, the other day, I got like a $100. I don't know what it was wow. for. Three months, six months here. I don't know what, but I got like a $100 check from co-op. And, you know, when you, when you think about gas and how the price of gas can sometimes drive you crazy and inflation and everything else, getting a, getting a $100 check for having gassed up, that's a big deal. Oh, of course it is. I mean, any money back is a big deal. Although I'm such a cynic on this stuff. I have one of these rewards credit cards and at oh, the yeah. end of the year, they credit my account for like $700 deposit on the account. I go, yeah, but like, look at the interest I'm paying on the card. Like, look at the fees. It doesn't make any sense. I'm one of these people duped full on. Do we have that photo of the, the premier in the airport here? Check it out. So we loaded it up quick. Uh, okay. Shout out to our team for getting that done. So for those that are watching on YouTube, you can check this out. But you see what I'm saying? Like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty basic look and security detail that is a pretty accessible politician walking through to gate c54 it looks like eia it looks like edmonton's international airport there yeah. uh i don't know man i just think if i was if i was a premier at any time if i was a prime minister and at any time somebody could come up and you know hit me with a water balloon full of paint or like something like i just it's not going to happen in an airport past security but in in everyday life i mean i, I credit Justin Trudeau for keeping his cool in that situation. I, I, I especially credit his security detail that did a, a remarkable job of not, uh, to put it candidly, cracking skulls. Um, but uh, I just, I look back on this and I think it, it, it wouldn't, and, I, and you almost don't like to say it out loud, but it wouldn't take much for somebody to get that close that feels that strongly. I mean, you know, you look at the charges that people are facing. A lot of them are being convicted now in that Coots border blockade that was part of that yeah. Freedom Convoy thing. Um, and, and they seized these weapons are not play weapons. They seized a huge uh, cache of ammunition. Like for somebody just to walk up to the PM and put a knife in his belly, like I just I don't know. I don't think that we need to wait. I'm not saying keep all our politicians like protected in the Pope mobile. But I just think that Canadians have become, you know, it's like they have too long of a leash, like to, well, to they're, walk they're, up and scream uh, pedophile in the face of the prime minister with no consequence. I'm not saying treat them like it's China or the old Soviet Union, but uh, I, I just I get a sick feeling about it. Doesn't matter what politician it is. Doesn't matter what party they represent. Obviously, I don't think the public deserves access like that. I think that uh, I think that we have to take a, a take a look because I think you know this idea of 
you know, just uh, relying on the old 99.99% of Canadians are decent people. Yeah, 99.99% of Texans weren't called Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm. I get it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what the percentage is. Uh, there's no there's no need to take any more risk than uh, necessary. By the way, you mentioned the Edmonton Airport. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Edmonton. I love every inch of Alberta. But like anyone else, I have the odd uh, complaint. Okay, just the odd complaint. Can I can I offer a complaint about oh, the please. airport? I mean, if we weren't going to complain about something, what kind of a segment <laughs> would it be? Why? I mean, it's it's just so damn far from Edmonton. I always feel what the airport driving from Edmonton to, to the airport that you yeah. know another half hour I can be in Calgary. Yeah. What do you want us to do? Move it? Yeah, yeah. I want you, I want you to move the airport to Edmonton. Yeah, is, yeah. That, is that too much of an ask? Yeah. Well, this has been like a huge thing for Edmontonians, right? Because because you're right, um, and and it's not like Calgary. Like this, the Calgary's airport's not in the center of the city, but it's at no, least it's, it's easier Bar- to get I just remember. To. I just think Vancouver's, of Barlow Trail. And yeah, sure. Barlow Trail to me is is part of. Yeah, you know, uh, Vancouver's airport is 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 reasonably close to the city of Vancouver, which of course sprawls into a bunch of other cities. But uh, but yeah, no, in in Edmonton, there's there's kind of and and one of the things that people complain about in particular is that the transit options out there are really lousy, and so there's no LRT, there's no train to go from the airport into the city. So they do have like a shuttle bus that you can take. It's it's conveniently yeah. it's Route Seven. Too far. It's, too far, it's Route Seven Forty Seven. Yeah, loca- pretty location clever. matters. It's too far. Well, and also. So we, we used to have, there used to be an airport. I used to fly into Edmonton. There was a municipal airport, and I, I realize I'm probably violating a, a thousand different rules by by you know suggesting that I'm not not suggesting you put it right in the heart of downtown Edmonton. But you know, an airport that's I don't know 15 minutes out of town. So is here's that, the deal. Is that too difficult. I just stole your line. Here's the deal. Uh, okay. Number one. It, it's not it, it, it's you're not a serious city uh, and I love Edmonton and I'm proud to live in Edmonton and raise a family here. But you're not a serious city if your only option for people arriving is to either wait for a city bus that will come maybe once an hour or whatever it is. I don't know because I don't take it. Uh, number two, to hire a cab or an Uber that'll cost you $100 to get to the city center or to rent a car. That's not a serious city with serious no, options. No, every, every even New York City, you know, pretty, pretty big burg, New York City. Uh, LaGuardia is 15 minutes out of town. Yeah. So, you know, the deal with the municipal airport, though, right? So, so Mayor Stephen Mandel shut it down on his watch, which pissed off yeah. all of his millionaire friends because they yes. can't fly their PJs now. They can't fly their private jets <laughs> into the middle of the city. But it's a good thing as well because every, every, everybody got compensated because most of them owned land downtown and the ice district rose up and everybody made money hand over fist. So right. it was the right. trade off. But are you yeah. familiar with the story of why the Muni yeah. closed? So, so there were a couple yeah. of reasons. Number one, they thought it was prime development uh, country and and right now it's still sitting there undeveloped there's like four show homes on it and that's it it's it's preposterous it's ridiculous don't get me started if i'm ever running for mayor that's going to be a main part of my platform um number two though because downtown development was stunted right because if you have planes flying into downtown you can't have right. 30 and story and, and towers and that's why i would never suggest an airport downtown and so they had to take development yeah. yeah well they had to close the airport down to build ice district um, yes. And I don't know that the mayor at the time, who, who I consider a personal friend, I'm not talking shit, but the, but the fact is they didn't sell it as we're closing the municipal airport 
to build ICE District, but ICE District would not be here without the closure of the municipal airport. So, so there you go. It wasn't something that benefited the average citizen. It, 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 and here's, here's the politician in me, Chuck. It was only benefiting the elite. It was only benefiting the elite. So he decided to shut it down on principle to score a few points. You know what I mean? Every time I hear that expression, I just want to uh, I, I laugh. You know, can we talk about the word for a moment? I, I you know, I love English and, and words matter. I grew up with elite being an elite hockey player, okay, an elite artist, an elite scientist. Elite was a good thing. Even I even loved a, a chocolate bar I used to eat called Elite Chocolates. And in the last number of years, you know, having achievements, having accomplishment, being an expert at something. Uh, is, is it has become horrible. We we want we want to hear from people who quote do their own research. No, I don't want to hear from people who do their own research. I want to hear from people who know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. I want the elite. Yeah, well, and I love that all the people, especially down in the U.S., they're decrying the elites. They're all Ivy League grads. They've all got they've all got like you know bachelor's degrees from Yale and an MBA yeah. from Harvard, and then they're going to talk. Well, to every, us about every, the elites, yeah, everybody's right? using it because it's become one of those expressions. It's sort of it, it, it's supposed to endear you to Joe and Jane, every person to to decry the elites. But I would ask anyone listening, watching, uh, if your child needs heart surgery, are you going to go to someone on Facebook who does their own research? Well, some might actually. <laughs> The question, the answers you'll get to that question in 2023 are different than 10 years ago. Okay, all right. Yeah, maybe once again, maybe I'm giving too many people credit. Yeah, (laughs) Alberta girl here says the Edmonton airport has destroyed precious agricultural land. City expropriation of the land up to the airport was criminal. Uh, Meantime, Jill says I live in the south. The Edmonton airport's in the perfect place. (laughs) So there you go. It's good for Jillian. I don't blame him. It's good for Jillian. Uh, It's nice to see your face, pal, and uh, wish you the best week. People can check out the Charles Adler Show, your podcast, your new uh, one. And, of course, they can subscribe to the Winnipeg Free Press to read your columns every single week. Please give my very best to Matt Cundell, one of the brightest bulbs in our business. And uh, I'm just uh, thrilled to pieces uh, even though I'm I'm signing off here, I'm going to continue watching and or listening because Matt Cundell is one of the best. Awesome, Chuck. I know he'll love hearing that. Thanks very much. That's Charles Adler. Give him a follow on uh, X at Charles Adler. <laughs> Matt Cundell coming up in just a quick second. You know, speaking of Edmonton right now, probably don't have to tell you that K-Days is going on and our friends at the YWCA of Edmonton This is such a huge opportunity for them as the charity of choice for this year's K-Days 50-50. Here's your chance to strike it rich. Pan for more than just gold at this year's K-Days. Uncover cash prizes and more with this year's K-Days 50-50 in support of YWCA Edmonton. When you purchase a 50-50 ticket, you're helping YWCA Edmonton in their mission to build safer, stronger communities for all. You can get tickets available starting right now on site and online all the way through till July 30th check out k-days.com slash 50-50 we'll put the link in the show notes here on the podcast and on YouTube it's the 50-50 in support of the YWCA Edmonton really cool stuff happening here at Friesen Brothers Johnny have you heard about this vegan feast they got going on oh yeah this is really neat a couple of days July 29th and 30th at the Rabbit Hill store here in Edmonton. That's the South Edmonton store, the one that won the 
gold medal as the literal best grocery store in Canada last year. Absolutely amazing. From 4 to 8 p.m. July 29th and 30th, Friesen Brothers is hosting a vegan feast. It's an all-you-can-eat vegan buffet featuring a wide selection of plant-based delights, including vegan lasagna, shepherd's pie, barbecue chicken, that's chick-n, vegan cowboy baked beans, and a whole bunch of other delicious vegan entrees, plus a full salad bar. All of this available for just $25 per person. Go to Friesen.com slash vegan to learn more. You know, we were talking a lot about emissions and oil sands activities last uh, week on the show. Talked to liberal and conservative uh, elected representatives, MPs, ministers. And we also talked to an energy journalist by the name of Jeff Galis. Uh, you can read his new piece in Alberta Views. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a second. But you know that oil sands operations contribute significant carbon emissions in Canada. Everybody knows that. So the six largest companies are working together and with governments to take strides on the path to net zero from their operations. And part of that plan includes developing a proposed carbon capture and storage network by 2030. It's going to be one of the world's largest. You can learn more at Pathways Alliance. And speaking of Jeff Galis in that Alberta Views piece, it's called Hidden Harm. It's all about methane. It was fascinating learning about the satellite technology that's used to monitor methane emissions and, and, and of course, leaks as well. It's featured in the July-August issue of Alberta Views. You can watch the interview on Real Talk via our YouTube channel. Check out the podcast. And while you're checking out albertaviews.ca, Don't forget, you can subscribe to the magazine for engaged citizens for 50% off with a special promo code exclusively for Real Talkers. That's AVRJ. That'll be in the show notes for you. AVRJ, the promo code, knocks 50% off a one-year subscription. That's 10 issues delivered to your door of Alberta Views. Matt Cundell is the owner and operator of the Sound Off Media Company. He launches and manages podcasts for businesses, for entrepreneurs, for performers through the Sound Off Podcast Network. He also hosts three shows himself, including his flagship Sound Off Podcast, You May Also Like This, and the Podcast Super Friends. He's making his Real Talk debut to talk about Bill C-18, the Online News Act. It's great to see you here, my man. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, we always love getting podcast hosts on the show because the audio is just beautiful. It is. And not only that, you reset the modem. You also want to reset your computer. You want to make sure that (laughs) you have no interference. We're going to get a clean signal to you. Yeah, that's right. Hey, did you hear Charles Adler's bouquet for you there? I did. I heard right when he handed off. And I agree. We got to fix the Edmonton airport. I lived in Edmonton for eight years and uh, I never found the airport to be uh, terribly close. And, yeah, but they're not uh, moving the airport. They'll just wait for the city to grow out to it. I think that was the original intent, but cities do grow along the river, as we've discovered. Yeah, no kidding. Um, hey, it was great to see, uh, and I appreciated you engaging with our show. We had Linda Solomon Wood on. She's the founder and the publisher of Canada's National Observer last week. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday. People can check out our archives. But she basically is, is uh, she's calling it how it is and uh, pointing out the obvious that radio stations are shutting down and TV newsrooms have, have, have been eviscerated and uh, newspapers are going to mostly syndicated content and, and the news 
industry is really suffering. A lot of people are looking to Bill C-18, the Online News Act. They're looking to Ottawa, basically the feds, to take a stand, to throw a few punches back at big tech like Google and Meta, Facebook, Twitter. Your response to me or your response to our post about that interview raised a few eyebrows because you took the conversation in a whole different direction. And obviously, we wanted that to happen right here on Real Talk. So why don't you take us into this? Well, I I think when it comes to C-18 and and journalism, we all agree that there's a problem. And I agree with Linda. There is an absolute problem with journalism in the country. And, And essentially what it is is there's a lot of traditional advertisers uh, whether it was a newspaper, whether it was radio, whether it was TV, who are now sending their money to Google and, and Facebook. But, you know, it's that's not just, you know, for news. It's really it's really for everything. I, I just don't think it's fair to point the finger straight at Google and Facebook as being, you know, the, the true problem of the whole thing. There, Yes, they, they do take 80 percent of it, but it's it's not it's not because of what Google and Facebook do. I mean, I think we have to look at the, you know, the advertisers and taking some responsibility and keeping it local. They're the ones who, who are making the decision to to send their money there. And and ironically, I look at a company like Chorus Entertainment who've announced, oh, we're not going to be sending our money to, to Facebook. Like, well, should you have been sending any money there at all to begin with? You know, you're in the media business. You don't need to rely on Facebook and Google to be doing all your dirty work. Yes, it is the number one search engine. Is it too large? Yes, that's an American problem. But, you know, this is whatever is is passed here in Bill C-18. And even if they were to conform, this is a very temporary uh, solution. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to replace the, you know, 300 some odd million dollars and try to give, you know, local journalism a boost. My suggestion is to is to have a tax and if you're going to be a company that's going to advertise on google and facebook there should be a levy canada is built on this we did this with steel we did this with with whiskey uh recently we've done this with a number of things so go ahead listen if you're you want to be an advertiser you want to advertise on google go right ahead it just a, you'll be making a three percent contribution to to support journalism in canada what what was it that you think uh, in particular about how Ottawa handled this, about how the liberal government, the feds handled this that was that was so off base? So you, you didn't have very kind words in your assessment of how they've handled this and put this bill together. They don't know tech. I, I, it seems that every time we get Mark Zuckerberg in front of, of Congress, every time we had Netflix at one point get in front of, uh, uh, you know, in front of the Canadian government at one point, and they don't seem to understand how tech works. And they have had lots of warning. Michael Geist is a professor at the University of Ottawa, and he has served many warnings that if you do this, Google and Facebook are basically just going to turn off the news. So it's kind of like, oh, we're going to put a tax on lemonade, and you're going to, well, I'm not just not going to make lemonade anymore. And then, so that's that's essentially what what Facebook has decided to do, and and that puts a real problem in the hands of of independent podcast networks like you and like me who rely on some social media to, 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 to make a listen. If you, if you and I put Facebook, we're not going to be getting any money from this. We know where the money's going. The money's going to this one pot and we know who's going to be getting it. It's, it's a law that really is, you know, we've caught a lot of shrapnel here. Independent podcasters are being threatened with, Hey, you know what? We're going to have to turn off your, uh, your Instagram page and we're not really going to share it with anybody. And well, I really never asked for this to begin with. I don't want to be a part of it. And yet here we are, we're, we're a part of it. Yeah, here's your tweet. Uh, This is on July 19th. You tweeted at us. You said not every journalist or news outlet needs or wants help. And some are now paying the price because of Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez's mismanagement and ineptitude. You say he'll have questions to answer regardless of the outcome. 
if you had him on your show, if you had him on your podcast today, what would be these questions you'd want him to answer? What would you lead with? Why are you doing this? Who put you up to this exactly? Was it Bell? Was it Rogers? Was it Post Media? Who exactly instructed you that that you know to to go and do this? And because I really think that this is a solution that is that is really done by a few people and and you know done in whispers and a lobby group perhaps, but it's something that that really doesn't include it. Did you consult everybody? Well, they say they did, and there was a lot of back and forth between the Senate. Um, I know I know Senator Paula, Paula Simons you know sent some stuff back with with Bill C eleven, um, but they they didn't listen. And I think that's the most frustrating part of the whole thing. And they also haven't really taken a look and done their research about what's happened around the world. Australia, this happened in Australia in 2021 or 2020, 2021 in there. And, and they wound up backing down. And, you know, in the end, there was a deal that was made in Spain up until May of 2022, Google had turned off Spanish news and they weren't sharing any links. And eventually the, the Spanish government had to relent and, and journalism you know, needed to return to, to Google in order for it to, to be shared, promoted. Um, and it, it's just it's just asinine to think that, oh, you are going to have to pay because we put a link up, so you're going to have to pay to send people to our website. In, at no point does that make any particular sense. How... If you're the CEO of, and I mean, Post Media is such an interesting example too, because it, it's it's like owned by hedge funds in the states, and I don't think that Paul Godfrey uh, of of Post Media has been operating in good faith for years, um, laying people off, uh, cutting down, uh, lopping off supports in newsrooms, taking big bonuses himself. I mean, and I know he's not the only executive that does that or that has done that. Um, but if you were the CEO of a company that I believe would still represent a trusted brand in Canada with broadcast properties, with print properties, magazines, whatever it is, you might call it old school media. Let's call it traditional media at this point. What would be your plea or appeal or message to the Canadian public? Like what role does the public play here? Do you think in, quote, saving journalism in Canada? I think the public does have a little responsibility, especially we've got a, a lot of mom and pop shops who are putting their money into Facebook. I mean, they used to support, you know, whether it was like a film festival or something in the neighborhood. I'll use the Edmonton Journal, for example. They used to present a whole lot of things, but then the money began to sort of disappear. And then people are like, hey, you're going to support us this year. Well, you haven't made an ad buy. So that part, I completely understand. If you do own like, a, you know, Chorus, Rogers, Bell, they've kind of They'd never really had digital strategies to begin with. Uh, I was I actually started the Twitter account for CJOB in 2008, perhaps 2009. But there was pushback within the building on whether to start that. There was um, I, I know there's a story down CBS Radio in the states. Hey, should we put it on Facebook? Well, we're going to be creating our own thing soon. But there's never really any digital follow through. And I look at how some of these newspapers, like we'll use the New York Times for instance, they are now trying to own parts of everyone's day. They start, well, we've got a podcast. Oh, look, now we, there's there's Wordle. So it's not a crossword puzzle, but it's a part of people's day. And you need to rebuild back into what you once had. Of course, you used to have sections and they all got peeled away and the classifieds went over here. You've got to build that back in a particular way. And it does cost money. And I think the hardest part is the investigative journalism, which is the real crisis point. We're going to get less investigative. It's very expensive to do. And I totally understand it. 
but it, maybe it's time, you know, subscription models is 29 cents to read an article in the Winnipeg free press. That is tremendously fair. You know, you have to, we have to get Canadians in the habit of perhaps shelling a little bit. We used to buy newspapers. Mm -hmm. We it's, it's happened before. Then we began to start to get stuff free online. I think you need to really change the model about what you're passing along. It can't just be wire copy. It's got to be investigative. It's got to be local. And you've got to start building on these brands and touch points and connecting with people. That connection has now been severed um, with Google and Facebook. And that's going to be the real problem as we roll forward. Yeah, I had a good conversation with Robin Doolittle, who's one of Canada's best investigative journalists uh, a while ago about this. One of the things that drives me nuts is someone will share a link to a piece, oftentimes an investigative piece. And, and for people that don't know, that could require weeks or months or even years of work uh, by a journalist or a team of journalists. It could involve freedom of information requests. It could involve all kinds of things, uh, investments into the story to give the story, that to, to pour that foundation so it has the credibility that it needs. And the comments that I see of people saying, oh, like like they're, they're, they're critical of the outlet or critical of the journalist saying, oh, it's behind a paywall. You got to unlock it, unlock the paywall. And it drives me absolutely nuts. It's like ripping a restaurant for charging for its meals. Um, and I don't know where people think that the information is going to come from. I don't know where I, I don't know if and I, I know I sound like I'm preaching right now. But if if people had just become too accustomed uh, to getting quality uh, journalism and storytelling for free, uh, but at some point you don't have to think too hard. You don't have you don't have to participate in some sort of philosophical exercise to to understand why that is an unsustainable model. Um, and unless everybody thinks you know that that somehow and and maybe this opens up a conversation about the CBC that all journalism should be funded publicly, which would never happen. It doesn't make sense, and I wouldn't support that either. Then I don't know what people think the answer is. And there's a lot of angst uh, aimed at journalists right now. Uh, just read the comments when I post. When I post about our interview today, we'll get people that are chirping. Uh, you know, you say journalism's dying on the vine, and people will say, good. And they've got this sort of angst and anger against journalists. But to me, uh, I don't understand how those people would reconcile that, that accountability factor that journalism has provided, uh, holding politicians and businesses and polluters uh, accountable for many, many years. And, 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 and I am concerned. If I wasn't concerned about it, we wouldn't be dedicating time on this show to talking about it. You wouldn't care about it. Uh, and that's something that I really wrestle with. It's something that really sincerely troubles me. How about you? Yeah, listen, I, f I feel for, for journalists and journalism and, and how are we going to um, get them paid? I'm very uncomfortable with any level of government having a hand in supporting uh, journalism because, you know, you can draw a line. Oh, they got X amount of dollars. Therefore, you know, can, you know, can you be critical and bite the hand that, that feeds you? And I, I think the government really wants to stay out of that, which is why they would prefer that, that Google and Facebook uh, support it, you know, from, from the outside. I, I think inevitably what happens in the end with C18 is that Google and Facebook are going to be cutting some form of, of deal as it were, I think they'd prefer to deal straight with, um, you know, journalists and news organizations. Um, that's that's kind of what happened in Australia, although it just went to to one outlet, which was a, a little bit odd. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to give back a little bit in in some capacity. The government doesn't want to, you know, be the people to to pass out. Now, listen, Justin Trudeau passed. I think it was five hundred and fifty million dollars 
um, you know, a few years ago. I can't remember if that went to the CBC or there was a second one for three hundred million. Uh, a bunch of people didn't right. want that though. The the big the big outlets didn't want it. It was a bad look. That six hundred million dollars. Yeah, it it is definitely a, a bad look. And by the way, who decides whether you know who gets it? Do I have to apply for it? Who's deciding if I'm a news organization? Um, is does Ryan Jesperson count? We already know Rebel News does not count. And who's making that decision? And, and it, it it's it's odd. No, it's, I like to stay out of those sort of things because I think the minute you you accept money like that, that there's going to be some sort of prerequisites about, hey, how did you spend it? What did you do? You put it into your digital. Oh, you didn't hire a, a reporter to go into investigative journalism like you've been complaining uh, about for the last three years. So it, it can get a little dicey, um, you know, about how that how that money arrives and, and how it's spent. Yeah, this is a gut punch. This comment from Alberta girl, but I don't blame her. She says my kids wanted to go into journalism, but have seen that it's easier to be a broke farmer than a broke journalist. Oh, that makes me sad on two fronts. Hey, can, is it possible to lay out a couple of differences like for, 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 our, for us civilians for talking around the campfire circles or at the beach without being too boring about the difference between C-11 and C-18? Is there is there like one big difference here that you think is key if people want to have an informed conversation about this with their friends? Uh, yeah, so um, C11, that's the one where we look at the Ryan Jesperson show and is it going to pop up at the top of my Google feed? Is it going is is YouTube going to be promoting it because it's Canadian or is there going to be something else that's a little more Canadian that will be promoted in front of it? So that, that's really the C11 is really more about the, the promotion and the organization of Canadian, um, any form of Canadian content, really, and how it's going to be you know, pushed out to people. Again, an incredibly vague bill um, that, you know, does this affect YouTube? Yeah, apparently it does. But what about Spotify? Well, my podcast is on Spotify. Is this for artists or is this for podcasts? So, um, yeah, so I've already lost a little bit of the campfire by, by sort of explaining that. But C18 is the one that directly deals with news. So news being, you know, the news links um, that are that are shared. OK, um, I appreciate that, by the way. Uh, we're getting some interesting comments here. Uh, you know, Lou points out, he says there's some pretty serious biased views by some outlets. You know, Canadian media organizations can tend to be somewhat one sided in politics. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking about like Rebel, for example, Lou's absolutely right. Bang on. Um, you know, others are pointing out that, that you know, I mean, you know, Air Mitch says you can't have all the papers owned by one common owner. That's another big factor. Air Mitch is absolutely right. You know, there's two daily newspapers here in Edmonton, but they're owned by the same company and their journalists, their reporters are writing for both papers. So, like, what's even the point? Anyway. We want to have an informed insight on what the landscape looks like and where it's going. And I've appreciated your insights here. I have to ask you about what's going on with Twitter or X or what have you. You said you, you were tasked with setting up the Twitter account way back in the day for CGOB. You obviously use it a lot. Uh, people can follow you at Matt Cundell and then all your podcasts are on there as well. Um, it's been a very useful tool, obviously, for, for not just promoting uh, podcasts and promoting interviews and, 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 you know, I mean, you know, dispersing clips and highlights. And obviously everybody knows what I'm talking about, but also for gauging public opinion on things, for being accessible to the public, for hosting those conversations. The idea of that, the digital town square Twitter has been that, uh, I don't know that a rebrand will change that, but I think that the change in ownership and the change in direction and the change in tone, uh, certainly has been notable, um, and has been demonstrable, uh, undeniable over the past, I don't know, let's call it a year or so, just over a year. 
How are you processing what's going on, including this new rebrand to X? I'd like to know actually why Twitter is not part of Bill C-18. Uh, there's a ton of links that get shared across there. I have absolutely no idea why um, that's not part of it. And boy, I would love to see the fireworks of Elon Musk versus Bill C-18. Pablo Rodriguez, we can get in the ring and have a have a good online fight about that. Uh, the rebrand to X is is interesting, to say the least. Um, I It's kind of like a radio station that is that. Well, I guess we'll change the logo and I guess we'll just change the, you know, the station voice and maybe change a little bit of the music and rebrand the whole thing and it's it's really just a just another coat of paint hmm. um more than anything i don't expect twitter to to change radically other than you know remove the bird remove the colors this goes on in radio stations all the time and but not in but not in radio stations with iconic brands well twitter's iconic that's and, what i'm and saying yeah, they, yeah i know it's it, it I get, again, again, there's always a program director at a radio station who wants to come along and put their stamp on the whole thing. Yeah. And, and no one more than Elon Musk wants to put, you know, his stamp on just about anything he touches. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, so you're, you obviously know podcasts inside and out. It's your bread and butter. It's what you do, not only hosting your own, but helping others as well. Uh, people can check out soundoffpodcast.com. Tell us what you have coming up. Um, that's a great question, actually. I don't. I've actually got um, some some about Lauren Passell. This is a lot of inside podcasting stuff that's going to be coming out. So Lauren Passell, she's a, a podcast wizard and, and, and marketer. Um, also, uh, just going through, I can see you're scrolling through. We've had um, Jesse Brown from Canada Land. We had a very big discussion, by the way, about how his company is you know interacts with the the two bills, Bill C11 and and Bill C18. And he's you know another one who's sort of stuck in the middle. We had a very long conversation, but we also talked about you know the history of Canada Land as a journalistic uh, organization. They're they've been doing it for ten years, and it's built largely you know online through podcast. And, uh, you know, there's one, uh, a great model as well. It's all, you know, a lot of it is don't, there are ads, but there's also donations and, and Patreon accounts. So there's many different ways to monetize. And I thought that was a very curious way though, how he would build his, uh, his organization. Do you have a Patreon? I do not. I have not put out the tin cup yet. How come? I think it's a, it's a big step, uh, you know, to, to do that. And I don't, I know a lot of traditional broadcasters like you and me just, we're not comfortable with it. We're oh, really, I am. We're, well, I know you. Okay, well, I'm glad you are. But, you know, it's tough to go and get, you know, people who have been doing news or, you know, they've been on the radio for a long time just to ask for money. Mm -hmm. It's a big step. And, and Jesse talked about making that step. And I've talked to a few, you know, I've got some broadcasters, you know, in my group. And I'm like, you know, finding ads is, is a struggle. Maybe we should be looking at a Patreon model. Yeah. We, like for us, when we were establishing it, when we were starting the show, um, I don't know if it was the most important, but for me, one of the most important things was that Real Talk had to be free, that it had to be available to everybody. Um, there, there are some podcasts that I love and listen to that'll either be, uh, you know, they'll they'll release like special episodes that are for Patreon supporters or patrons, we'll call them. Um, others will will make a portion of their interviews available for free, and then their patrons will be able to access the full interviews. There's different models, uh, but we wanted the show to be available for free to everybody, but we also want to be viable. And so we've put it out just in good faith to our patrons, and there's a little army of them, and we sure appreciate them. And it and, and it's growing, like you, you know, and over time, um, I think it's something that could be significant, but 
You know, when, when we're having our team meetings deciding on, you know, how can our product be better for our audience, um, it's oftentimes uh, us budgeting what our patrons will be able to contribute in the sense that, you know, we looked a while back, like early in our show and our lighting wasn't great. Uh, it just wasn't because we, we scaled up fast. We launched seven weeks after I got fired. We, you know, we were doing what we could, but our Patreon supporters provided and bought the new lighting for the studio. So that was an improvement for us. We were able to add a couple of new camera angles because of our patrons. Um, up next is probably going to be new mics in our studio, and that'll be because of our patrons. Now, from time to time, they'll get something special in return. You know, we've got some special edition merch that you can't buy. We had an, an election night VIP viewing party here in the studio, and 10 of our patrons won golden tickets to come in and hang out. And we try to do little cool things um, to say thank you. But more than anything, what we've realized about becoming a Real Talk patron is people just let us know they just want it for seven bucks a month or whatever. Uh, I mean, some people are doing 50 bucks a month, which is amazing. Um, that's just their way of kind of saying thanks. And other people's way of saying thanks, if they don't have the seven bucks a month available, which is totally fine, is to send us a note or to tell their friends about Real Talk or to whatever. And there's different ways to do it. But it just it, it it's a new era. It's a new age. And we're, we're seeing that the traditional model with these big billion dollar broadcast companies, even they're struggling. And for us to keep our heads above water and keep doing this for as long as we want to keep doing it, which is a long time, uh, we're not eliminating really any reasonable options. Yeah. So I look at the person who made the comment, you know, and, and said, oh, well, news is biased. I think my question after that would be, well, who do you support? Like, who do you support? Where do you buy your news? Mm. Is it a subscription? Is it what company? Like, where would you get it from? And because I, I think when it comes to news, it we have to change the culture. The culture is not free. You know, when I do a podcast, I have a couple of ads in there. Um, I'm asking for people's time, uh, which is, you know, to listen to the whole thing. It can be a 40 minute listen. It could be a 50 minute listen. Um, you, we, it's really about changing the culture away from free. This started by the way, with Napster and music, uh, that was sort of the first one. And then we came, I mean, people are paying for their, their music through a subscription model. You're paying for multiple cable and streaming platforms. Um, there are people who are on YouTube right now who are, you know, paying for YouTube, uh, a premium, which gives you a whole bunch of other different options. You don't have the ads. Yeah. So all these things that people think you're getting it for free. Yeah, you can get it for free, but also they're, they've got subscriptions that they're paying for. And we've just gotten out of the culture. We, we started this thing in media where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to do the thing on, uh, on traditional media. And then we're going to go to share it online and then people can get it there. And hopefully it will drive people back to listening or consuming in the way we want them to. I think that model has been flawed for many years. And it's kind of how, how we've driven our media outlets uh, down into the ground. And we do need to get them into an idea of, of subscription. I mean, even so much in, in, in Europe, they've got subscription radio. So if you're a big fan of your local radio station, they actually have a subscription model that you can do to listen in your car yeah. to the radio. You can also skip ahead with the songs. All the technology is there, but instead we sort of are looking at this Bill C-18 as being, oh, let's see if we can just sort of fund and pay the people and, and do make the same mistakes over and over and not really look to the future and how we're going to be distributing our, our news. Yeah. Jill says when she says, when I hear this criticism, I think of the phrase, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. She says, I think C-18 is a good start, though it might need refining down the line. We can't let big tech 
win this. And it's not necessarily a big win for Big Tech if all the sources of content are dying. That's not a win for Big Tech if there's nothing to share at the end of the day, right? I mean, like, well, it, it, there is sort of a common goal. Uh, I mean, I guess you're asking who is ending up getting paid, uh, who's collecting all the revenue, and who's getting rich. Um, but there is the common goal, I think, to make sure that the content is there. Google and Facebook have a problem, and I think it's TikTok. It's also short-form video. Facebook actually, try, but by the way, both Google and Facebook are terrible at podcasting. It's audio, it's long form. Um, the Google app was never really updated for Google podcasts. They're now trying to do YouTube podcasts and they're not even accepting an RSS feed, which I'm sorry for the, for the geeky term, but that's the one that, you know, with your phone, a piece of audio is sent to your phone. They just want you to upload it directly to YouTube. And of course, they're going to splash it with their own ads because that's mm -hmm. how they're going to make the money. Facebook got into podcasting for a year and then completely bailed on it. So both of them really turn to video and think, okay, video is really where people are consuming their content. And we see this all the time. People are looking at their TikTok. They're, flick, they're flicking. They're going to the next one. Um, there, there are reels on, on Instagram. That's the, that's the area that they're really concentrating on. And when they look at news, it's like, uh, yeah, I guess. And, and the, oh, what's this? It's Bill C-18. And they are trying to make an example of this because if Canada were to, if they were to relent and and have to do what is in this bill, just about every U.S. state is going to follow through, and every European country, and it, it it will get very expensive for them. So Canada is really sort of the test case for for Bill C eighteen to see if they'll back down and and what deal will get cut in the end. Matt, it's always great to talk to you. Sure, appreciated. Shortly after Real Talk launched, you having me on your show uh, to pump our tires a little bit and help grow our audience across the country. And it's great to see you doing so well. Thanks for making time for us. I'll be sharing that uh, episode along with uh, retweeting everything else that's going on today. And I'm also going to share it on Facebook and Google. <laughs> there you go, buddy. We don't mind. That's Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off podcast. Uh, Justin says, with everything these days costing more and more, I find it really tough to be finding additional funds to directly fund media outlets on top of the monthly, uh, the copious monthly fees that I already have. I get it, man. Budgets are tight. Like if you do you ever are you Johnny, are you like when you get your uh, credit card statement or your, your, your direct uh, billing stuff on your on your checking account? Are mm -hmm. you are you always like, like have you ever totaled up what you spend every month on? all of your media or entertainment sources no that's kind of it's kind of like an afterthought these days yeah. for me i know some people are some people have christina freeland, christina freeland with disney christina. plus somebody was, mentioned was everyone to go through the their bills but uh no like and uh, for me like i was thinking like if this show costs a dollar i'd probably pay for it you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i feel like and i think i'm on the same line of thinking with you like i pay for news i pay for media I pay for music, and I'm a guy who uses music for my job. I'm a guy who uses audio and news for my career. So I feel like it's a worthwhile investment. And so I pay for DJ music. I pay for news content. I pay for media to, to keep on top of what's whatever's going on, movies, TV shows, whatever it is. And I feel like that is a cost that I would never complain about in this day and age unless it got to some ungodly number where you know if, if netflix was like 99 dollars a month or something i'd be like yeah. okay this is ridiculous but i i think most things are are priced the way they should be but i do recognize that 
you know, these $1 increases and $2 increases every year kind of piss me off because I know it's just a guy sitting in an office somewhere who's yeah. like, hey, we've got 3 million people. If we just charge them all an extra dollar, that's an extra $3 million a year, right? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, and then you look, but then it goes across the board, right? So it's, it's, I think it's pretty unusual probably for... I mean, I'd be curious to know, actually, maybe we'll make this an unofficial, unscientific uh, Twitter poll. Maybe mm. I'll do that. But, but you know, is you know, it seemed like back in the day, <laughs> when I say back in the day, I'm talking like <laughs> a year ago, but people would be, you would either be like a Netflix family or a Prime family. Sure. Right? Or a Disney Plus family or an Apple TV now family. And, and, and that's on top of... <laughs> you should see. If you're a sports fan, do you have the, uh, yeah. you know, the NHL package, the NFL package? You do you should have the, Full cable package for all the news. You should see our TV at home. So we use right? Apple, Apple TV is our main like okay our, our our gateway to everything. So Apple TV and for our phones, you know, we're to the full package. So we've got we've got the cloud, we've got the Apple News, we've got iTunes, we've got Apple TV Plus. But then if you open Apple TV Plus, right at the top is Crave Disney. Prime, right? Netflix, yeah. We've got and plus our Telus package. I, I don't know if I should be pumping up Telus, but we use Telus. So there's how we watch sports and news live, yeah. or yeah. or you know, award shows, whatever. So we're talking like six different things, and that's just for TV. For music, I pay like a hundred dollars a month just for music to be downloaded legally and to play it at events and whatever. So that plus like the news apps I use on my phone and everything. So it. Now that you're saying it, it probably is a lot. I probably should look at it, but I feel like I don't know. It's I know it's not like food, but it it is. Like if I got rid of all my news, all my media, all my music, everything, I'd be pretty. It's the business you're in. It'd be man. a lot of time to go find everything for free and pirate everything and do whatever, right? Yeah, I appreciate this uh, comment. Where was it? I, I, I've lost the comment here, but someone was pointing out that there is the digital news tax credit, which is true, mm -hmm. um, which is great. I mean, that's 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 one way that that that's where you people get the those back. bunny slippers that mentioned that you do you, if you're paying for qualified journalism, which mm -hmm. is great. And then uh, who was this? Someone here was wondering when's our next Patreon event uh yeah well hey this was noob try again wondering when's our next patreon event at the very least if if uh if we do another bourbon uh if we do another bourbon mm. we'll do we'll do another whiskey tasting that was a great time that was a great time. hanging out with our patrons and uh and uh, always love meeting a lot of you it's especially when somebody will come up and they'll introduce themselves with like their real name and then they'll say what their name is in the chat. And you're like, oh, what's up? What's you're up? Guy who lots of hugs, lots of high fives. Maybe that's what we'll call our next event. It'll be high fives and hugs. A real talk patron event. Uh, you know. Of course, we also talk about our sponsors, and uh, this isn't, by the way, intended to be this big thing about like how is Real Talk viable and how did Johnny and I feed our families. That's not what this is all about. But without our sponsors, we just wouldn't be here. And that's why we want to give a big shout out to our friends at Local Environmental Services. You know, they're operating in Edmonton and area, Whitecourt and area, Regina and area, and the footprint is growing and growing and growing. This is a company. The success story really is remarkable. Uh, whether you're in a residential situation, maybe you're, uh, you know, redoing your basement or, uh, you know, maybe you're redoing your siding or your roof. You need one of those big roll off bins in front of your house for a big project. They can do that. Uh, maybe you're a retailer. Maybe you own a restaurant. Uh, you need a front load bin outside, you know, a permanently uh, installed one. 
they can help you there. And if you're working for a municipality, for example, maybe you're putting on a music festival or a children's festival, uh, you need uh, fencing and portable toilets. Guess what? They do that too. And they keep it all local. Better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. You can request a quote for free today at localenvironmental.ca. Our friends at Apex Automation want you to know that if you're a professional engineer or uh, maybe one that's going to be graduating in the next year or so, maybe you're in an engineering school somewhere in the country, they're hiring and they're looking for the best and brightest that want to get on in the ground floor when it comes to some of these new industries that are really moving toward automation. Apex Automation is working in a ton of different industries, including proudly in Canada's energy industry. They're doing potash mining. They're working with natural gas processes facilities, a lot of oil and gas refining as well, a ton of work, and their team is growing faster than you would believe. If you are a PNG or you've always been interested, fascinated by a career in automation, there's only one place you got to check out, and that is apexautomation.ca. You'll find the careers link right there at the top of the list. Our friends at Eden Landscaping are working hard right now in our backyard as we speak. It's a super exciting time. We hired them quite some time ago, and through the winter months, we were working with their team on the design. We were going back and forth on the budget. We were getting all the details covered. So to see them break ground over this past week, to see it all coming together, that outdoor space coming to life has been super exciting you can follow uh, me at ryan jesperson and my wife at carrie skelton on instagram if you want to see weekly updates on where this project's going and i can't wait to unveil it for you right here on real talk we recommend them having dealt with them and seen them in action if you have a landscaping project coming up in the next i don't know one to 24 months start by making contact with eden landscaping today at landscape edmonton It's a perfect week to enjoy a Dairy Queen treat with your family. And if you're anywhere in the Metro Edmonton region, we recommend you visit the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Yeah, they've got the signature stack burgers. Yeah, they've got the blizzards, of course, including their summer blizzard menu. That s'mores blizzard is absolutely bonkers. But if you have a special occasion you're going to be celebrating, maybe it's a birthday party. Maybe it's an anniversary coming up. Enjoy layers of celebration with a DQ cake. Any occasion is a happy occasion with a DQ cake. It's happiness however you want it. You can either customize a cake, even have them put a photo on there, an image to match your occasion. You can personalize colors, photos, and more. Or you can walk right in to one of those DQs in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or in Sherwood Park on Baseline Road and pick up a cake ready to go out of their DQ freezers. You make sure when you visit the Dairy Queen in Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park, you let them know that Real Talk sent you. And a big shout out to our friends at Complete Care Restoration as well. This is a family-owned business established more than 10 years ago, and their wheelhouse is fire and flood restoration. Now, this is that time of year. Were you woken up by that wild thunderstorm last night, I by the way? I was just going to mention that after we Holy came out of this. Holy smokes. Insane. I, our windows were literally rattling. I got up out of bed. This is like 1 o'clock. Yeah. And I just had to watch it because I, I saw so much flashing outside the, the window. The lightning was amazing. I watched for about 15, 20 minutes in the sky. It was 
Nature is crazy. It you, was you that is the most thunder and lightning back to back for fifteen to twenty, thirty minutes that I've ever heard living. Yeah, here. yeah. It I was, was I was insane. with the pup, and I was like, we were all just like consoling each other. It's mm-hmm. all going to be good. You know, the number one thing I check though is our basement because mm-hmm. our house is old. We were in this one of these heritage houses, and yeah, I know a lot of, of you can relate. If you've got cracks in your foundation, if you've got an issue. Big flash storms like that can cause major problems with flooding, not to mention the wildfires that we've seen here in Western Canada, and for that matter, the Maritimes as well. If you're looking to recover and restore your living space or your business from a natural disaster, you're going to want to make sure that you get in touch with Complete Care Restoration. We've dealt with them personally, and we recommend you trust them with your biggest investment. That's Complete Care Restoration online, or you can give them a call at 780-454-0776. Got out to see the Barbie movie last night, too. Did you? (laughs) Did you wear pink? Uh, I had on like some some pink shorts. I don't know if that counts. Of course it does. I didn't even mean to, because my wife, she didn't dress up or anything, but she's like, you know you're wearing pink shorts. I'm like, these are are like, you know, these are like a I feel like you have to wear pink if you're going to that movie. My (laughs) whole feed is people going to the Barbie movie. Incredible movie last night. So what did you think? Oh, it was great. It was great. I thought it was amazing. And uh, of course, course you've got everyone online saying it's already got like 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it was between that and, uh, of course, that Oppenheimer movie. Yeah. This is two big movies that were being released at the same time and uh, just had crazy uh, opening weekends at the box office. And apparently, I saw a story today, actually, that um, some people who are going to see Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same theater, because Oppenheimer is about the guy who created the, the first atomic bomb, atomic right? bomb, yeah. Nuclear weapons. So uh, apparently, there's a point in the movie where the... And I don't want to spoil the Oppenheimer, but where the bomb actually goes off, and it's the sound they use for it is so loud that people watching Barbie in, in opposing theaters were hearing the explosion. And uh, at the end of the Barbie movie, there's a really, and I don't want to ruin it either, there's a point where it's very quiet, it's it's a transcendent moment in the movie, and it's very emotional. And so if it's timed with this explosion, people were like getting pissed off. But oh. Yeah, anyways, two huge movies, and I, I thought Barbie was great. It was it was so awesome and like you've got all that you've got Ben Shapiro of course on Twitter burning Barbie dolls saying it's the wokest movie of the year. You know what's great about this movie? There's a Barbie in a wheelchair. There's Barbies of all different sizes and weights and colors and creeds and it's just like it's just a movie literally for everyone. And I went thinking, you know, my wife is going to enjoy this more than me. And I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I, I thought I, it was hilarious. It was funny it was great it was touching it i was- retweeted this yesterday you see this from technically ron on twitter who's hilarious he's a comedy writer um he took one star reviews of barbie because everyone's trying to tank it people mm-hmm. do that sometimes yeah, on our podcast too right they give us one do. star to try to tank our, our rating which is why all of you can give us five stars and balance it out but ron uh took one star reviews of barbie from furious men on letterboxd and he put them on the barbie posters he says because it makes the film seem even cooler so you've got these movie posters barbie an alienated dangerous and perverse film (laughs) or how about this photo barbie the feminist agenda will kill us all you've got barbie they won't be happy until we're all gay (laughs) and this one my personal favorite barbie a pink acid trip that feels like being slapped by lots of confusingly attractive people (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought it was a great movie. It was yeah. funny. It was heartwarming. And uh, yeah, the, my favorite part is near the end. Uh, you know, Ken kind of has this moment where he's like, he like doesn't know who he is. And like, am I just like, you know, Barbie's shadow? Where, wh- where am I in the world? And uh, all of a sudden there's this last shot of him uh, as Barbie's like, I won't give it away, but there's this big moment for Barbie at the end and, and Ken's waving and he's wearing this shirt that says, I am Kenuff. I am Kenuff? <laughs> like, I am enough, but with K. <laughs> oh, I got to get that hoodie. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah. What? You had this whole like burning Barbie dolls and like blow, Dude, <laughs> blowing up cases of Bud Light. We, we should talk about a, it later in the week, but, but Ben Shapiro did a 48, like you're a grown man. You made a 48-minute video and posted it to Twitter. Yeah. You spent about... People priced out all the stuff he burned. All new. They look brand new. Oh, Mattel About $150 on Barbie products, and then you burned them. I mean, dude, you got kids. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is the most immature thing I've ever seen in my life. Have you have you been watching the newest season of The Righteous Gemstones with oh, Brian John Goodman? Yeah. And so they're trying to I don't want to yeah, I wanna spoil it either, but it's so funny. They're 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 buying up all of the inventory from a certain store mm-hmm. to try to shut the store down. Yeah. But it's not exactly working. No. The store is making away like <laughs> bandits. It's, oh, it's absolutely hilarious. It's backwards. You're doing like you you're you're talking about Mattel in the movie, and then you went out and bought their products. It's yeah, just like yeah, it's ass backwards. Yeah, but anyways, it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I digress. I digress. Yeah, Carrie told me she's going to be checking out Barbie with her girlfriend, so I'm going to have to find. Oh, it's great. Find the boys that want to come watch it with me. Maybe you can come see it twice with me, buddy. We can. I share go for a, a second time I'll go for a because second. there is like stuff you met. There's so much going on in it. It's like an audio visual that you're like, holy crap! Like yeah. it's a musical. It's a it's a comedy. It's everything in one. So. Well, it's 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 uh, I think like, you know, with respect to Oppenheimer, I think that it's safe to say that Barbie is going to be the movie of the summer. The the branding brilliance behind it. Mm-hmm. The fact that so many people connect with that brand and yeah. with that product and with that, you know, I mean, just everything that it represents. Yeah. And what a renaissance for it as well. Like, Amazing. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I can't say whether or not Barbie has been a thing for for kids, it's uh, definitely going to be a Barbie thing figurines, again, but this. it sure is going to be a thing again. And and just the writing, um, and just I don't want to give it away, but the the movie is not what you think it is. You go in there and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so. It's just it, it it's it's so intelligent the way they put together the story. So, okay, yeah. Um, so there you have it, a ringing endorsement for Barbie and a promise from me that uh, I'm going to circle back on this. I made a note so I don't forget. Uh, we're going to put out an unscientific, unofficial Twitter poll on the platforms, the indulgences, the journalism sources you pay for. I'm looking forward to that. We'll review those on tomorrow's show. I want to thank everybody that subscribes to the Real Talk weekly email as we sign off here to just let you know that every Monday you can expect that in your inbox we let you know what's coming up this week and that's exactly what we did this morning we got further shows coming up obviously all five days this week including on Thursday we're going to do a quick show on Thursday and then I'm headed down to Alberta Springs golf course observing every speed limit posted obviously in support of CASA mental health services we still have some spots available for that tournament, I'm going to tweet out the link to it. You'll also find it in that weekly email. We'd love to see some of you there. That beautiful course just between Red Deer and Sylvan Lake. That's coming up on July 27th. We'll talk to you tomorrow, friends.
Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 